Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. And today we have Dr. Bumi Abuaba. Hi. Hi. And Dr. Abu Abba, or Bumi, is a food addiction coach, and she is a leading authority on food addiction, helping clients achieve a healthy relationship with food to meet long-term health goals. And her work covers the full spectrum of disordered eating, including, including overeating, compulsive eating, emotional eating, and other associated patterns. And she's also the creator of the R4 method, which I can't wait to hear about, a food addiction certification to support nutritionists, nurses, teachers, health and fitness professionals, dietitians, and medical clinicians to help their clients achieve long lasting results. And you're also the author of Craving Freedom, which is a new book for those wanting to build a healthy relationship with food. Wow, what so many interesting things. And I just absolutely love that you are providing this food addiction certification for so many people who work in the health industry to help women, whether they've got ADHD or not, support themselves a little bit better. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kate. And I think this is something that is just recently on most health professionals' radar. And there's more awareness now with the general public as well. I'm hearing it more and more when somebody asks me what I do, you know, and I say, you know, uh, you know, food addiction coach, and their eyes light up and go, oh my goodness, can't stop eating sugar. I can't stop da, 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 da. So it's there and people are starting to recognize, you know, sugar can be addictive, food can be addictive, whereas maybe a couple of years ago, it's like, well, how can any of this be addictive? This is it's rubbish. But to help health professionals, I think it's really vitally important because, you know, what I was seeing a lot of the time was we don't understand why my clients falling off their health and fitness programs. That's that for personal trainers, fitness professionals. You know, I had a nurses approaching me wanting training on how can we help people walking through the door, seeing the GPs and they're coming out feeling helpless and powerless and they don't know what they're struggling from. How can we help them? What are the simple things that we can do that we can implement and give the clients to do? So it is something that's really emerging now. And I think it's so needed as well. I was just saying to you off air just before we started that so many of my clients, ADHD women that come to me and so many of them have lots of different things going on 
But one of the things that almost universally they've had, whether it's happening right now or historically, have had food addiction problems, whether that is overeating, binge eating, disordered eating. And I think it's just emerging now that there is a very big connection and it's down to the brain chemicals, what's going on in the neurotransmitters with dopamine depletion as well. We are more predisposed to addiction with ADHD. And very often we try and get that dopamine hit via sugar, via eating, like trying to be good during the day. And actually like our brain just wants us to relax at the end of the day. And we see this sort of binge eating towards the end of the evening. First of all, I always want to just try and offer my clients a lot of opportunities for self-compassion. Absolutely. They can understand their brains a bit more because very often what's happening, they're getting their diagnoses later on in life. So they've had 30, 20, 40 years of this disordered eating backwards and forwards and this constant shame, the shame cycle is what I see. And then they get this diagnosis. Okay, now I understand. But it's then, okay, now what? How do I help myself? Which is why I wanted to get you on. Yeah, it's like, where do I go now? What do I do? I've got the diagnosis and it's a multifaceted thing, isn't it? It's a multidisciplinary thing, whether it's food and there's other, you know, there's other things, other factors that need to look at with somebody with ADHD. So it's peeling the layers down. But again, what you're saying about the shame and the guilt, it's heartbreaking sometimes when I see that. A couple of my clients are... I feel like a failure. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And it permeates right through the life. It's the confidence goes down, the self-esteem goes down, you know, it affects their relationship. It has an impact on their mental health. And and it's all because they feel guilty. It's their fault. And it's not. Like they should have control over it. Yeah. So for me, it is the most important thing as I'm going, we're going through the journey together is self-compassion be kind to yourself. And it's something that I always remind my clients as we're going through the journey It's exercising that self-compassion, which kind of interprets into things like self-care as well. And, you know, not to beat yourself up. Yeah. So can we fast forward a little bit? Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to this point and how, I guess, your history and being able to help women who perhaps were you several years down the line? Tell me a little bit about that. So my journey basically is, my Ennis Horribilis, I call it, was 2008. That was my breakdown. Years before that, I struggled with alcohol. But before that was food. Now, when I backtrack, it was originally food. So when I was younger, in my teenage days, it was binge eating. So I'd come home, I was a latchkey kid, came back from school, my parents worked full time. And, you know, going to the pantry and I would just raid the pantry, whether it's biscuits, whatever. And I didn't even, didn't know anything about it, but, you know, I'd just eat and eat and eat. And, you know, my mum would say, oh, where have the biscuits gone? Or where's that gone? And, and I would lie about it. You know, I'd say, oh, the biscuits it came out the, the bread bin and it all fell on the floor. I had to put them in the way, anything. So there was a lot of hiding already from that get go. But then I discovered alcohol in my teens when I got a Saturday job. And then it replaced the food and it was my best friend. It was something that made me feel, it changed the way I felt, just like the food did beforehand. It gave me more courage. I felt more confident. When I feel down, it was, you know, it's the alcohol. So it wasn't a huge problem, but it became a problem later in life. I mean, it was a massive problem in the end, you know, such that I had to get help and everything else. 
And that was kind of 2008, way into my, my 40s. And then, you know, coming into recovery from alcohol, great. The food started again. Now, again, with addiction, it sort of tells you that you haven't got it. So there's quite a bit of denial going on. And, you know, when I came into recovery from alcohol, I was really happy about that. But now I was starting to kind of latch onto food again. And it became really ferocious. So for nine months in my recovery from alcohol, I started to binge on junk food, uh, biscuits, anything I could get my hand on that just gave me that big sense, that big high. Again, a lot of shame and guilt. The hiding started again. What I really realized at the end is, oh, my goodness, I'm doing exactly the same thing as I did with alcohol and as I did when I was younger. So I actually didn't even think about my food history back then. And then it came to, it was like a sudden epiphany. I'm doing exactly what I did before. And it was a comfort. It was dumbing down my emotions. It was all those things. It helped me cope with life. So I realized for me, it was an addiction. It was the cravings. It was the compulsion. It was that need to have it. And that feeling of, feeling really, really great when I've had it, but then feeling really bad afterwards because it didn't last very long. So it was that that cycle, the addiction cycle of obsessing about it, craving, withdrawal symptoms, and denial's a big part of it as well. And I was doing the same thing again. And I knew it had to stop because I knew that I didn't want to go back to alcohol either. I didn't want to start. And I realised I could latch onto all sorts of different things, you know, if I wasn't careful. So I could be a workaholic or you know, which a lot of people with ADHD also have. Oh, I could be a shopaholic. And it was just very very impulsive. And so I started to really look at what was going on for me. And I started to look at the signs around addiction. And that's when I just thought, my goodness, it's exactly the same thing, but it's a different drug. And it's food. Yeah, exactly. Um, So how did you get the help that you needed? And how did your food addiction or your addictions help you become someone that helps people now? First of all, you know, I was still in sort of early days of my own recovery, but I knew for me, for some reason, I don't know, maybe I was connected to the right person, but a friend of mine, because I was starting to feel a bit down because I was trying to stop the eating, trying to, you know, the alcohol, I did go to 12-step programs, you know, which really helped me, but there was something more you know, I needed more. And a friend of mine suggested that I see a friend who, you know, was a shaman. She did like holistic things like crystals and whatever, Reiki. And I thought, let me just go and see it because, you know, I didn't want to binge again. I didn't want to drink again. And I didn't want to go on medication. So my next step was, okay, let me keep an open mind and see this lady. And I'm a bit of a science board and thinking, oh, well, let's see. But I don't know if it's going to work. So when I went to go and see her, Anna, lovely, she's a friend of mine to this day, you know, I started to feel better. And I started to think, well, let me use the holistic things as well, holistic avenues. So I got very curious about Reiki, which helps calm you down. Everything that calmed me down really helped. It kind of created this space for me to think it just kind of calmed me down. It gave me the space between the first thought and the second thought. The first thought is like, let me, I need to do this, or I need to eat, or I need to drink, or I need to do that, to making a decision and calming me down to not do it. So I started to explore that. So 
at that time, I wasn't looking at helping other people. So I started to look at that journey, things like hypnosis, NLP, all of those things that helped calm me down. Give me a sense of peace without having to reach for something to help my emotion. You know, as always, something has to change my emotion. Yeah. So that was my journey for the next few years, up to about 2014, 15. And then I went into becoming, um, I was helping people, like for instance, in 12 Step, became a sponsor. And then I just thought, I really want to help people with addiction. So I became a recovery coach. So helping people with alcohol addiction. But then interestingly enough, people, again, maybe this was my calling. People were coming to me with, oh, I've heard that you're good with alcohol. Are you any good with food? So I said, oh, yeah. But it started to kind of, I know where you're coming from. I understand what you're, yeah. you're saying. So it was like, oh, again, it was another, it's my calling. So I started to specialise in food and addiction and, you know, food addiction counsellor, just about to qualify in that, but I'm a registered food addiction coach. And for me, it's because so many people don't realise they've got it. You know, they're saying 50% of people with struggling with obesity have food addiction. 30% who are overweight and normal weight have food addiction. And 20% of the population who are underweight are exhibiting food addiction. So it's out there. You know, that is data. That is solid data. And as I said, so many people just want to have some sense of direction and awareness of it. And it could be just education and just saying, this is what it is. Oh, my goodness. So that's what it is. Right. Let's have some simple steps. You know, when some people know what you're you're struggling with and it's a case of, Right. Brilliant. Nobody's told me that before. Oh, I see. You know, it's a, it's a physiological problem. It's in the body. And then it latches onto emotions. Hi, everyone. So I know I'm not the only woman with ADHD who really does need their sleep, but often struggles to either fall asleep or just stay asleep. And much to my husband's frustration very often. I have all sorts of rituals to help me get to sleep better which include a bedside table full of different sleep sprays, earplugs, magnesium tablets and essential oils. However the most important element for me to getting a good night's sleep has always been my bedding especially my pillows and yet there's something new that I've been trying which has been a real game changer in helping calm my anxious mind and really settle my body in for a good night's sleep. And this is the Silent Night Wellbeing Weighted Blanket. And wow, I am definitely a convert now. So the Silent Night Wellbeing Weighted Blanket has been designed to calm and ease stress and anxiety. And it's got a deep touch pressure stimulation. And this is something occupational therapists have been using for ADHD for years and have reported really positive results. So the weighted blanket can help to relax the nervous system by giving this gentle sensation of being hugged and easing you into a deep and restful sleep. And just wrapping yourself in the blanket increases happy hormones and decreases stress to improve our mood, which so many of us need. So the blanket's weight comes from thousands of natural glass beads stitched within, and it creates an even spread of gentle, soothing pressure And the weighted blankets are available in three different weights, starting from three kilograms, which is for children, then 6.8 kilograms, and then nine kilograms. And this whole well-being collection 
of weighted blankets, amazing pillows is available at sleepypeople.com. So as I mentioned, there's lots of other wellbeing bedding options on sleepypeople.com. And this includes a silent night wellbeing cool touch pillow, which is just so cooling, especially if you're going through perimenopause or menopause. They've got a well-being lavender scented pillow, which is just gorgeous because lavender can help you fall asleep. They've got a well-being copper pillow, a silent night well-being rebalance pillow and duvet set, and a silent night well-being weighted eye mask, which I've tried and absolutely love. Sleepypeople.com is a sanctuary of sleep, offering a carefully curated and selected edit of bedtime must-haves. From some really fantastic brands like Silent Night, Sealy, Jeff Banks and Snug. And they really understand how busy life can be. So they've made it as easy as possible with this fantastic range of different pillows and duvets and weighted blankets. So we can really just optimise our sleep. So I want you to head to sleepypeople.com and you can get 10% off the whole Silent Night Wellbeing collection. That's sleepypeople.com. And you need to type in CALM10, that's C-A-L-M-10, for 10% off the full Silent Night Wellbeing Collection. I will put all the details in the show notes, but that's sleepypeople.com and use the code CALM10 for 10% off the full Silent Night Wellbeing Collection. And now back to this week's conversation. I think that's the most powerful bit, isn't it? When people understand that it is physiological, neurological, it is there's an, an actual reason that it's not just down to poor willpower or someone that's like greedy or all these negative connotations that we've, you know, especially growing up with society and family conditioning. And especially I think what typically happens, and I know with ADHD for sure, it's completely genetic. So we will have seen it in like, parental behavior or in siblings or um, and then we see the patterns emerging either in ourselves or our children and that's when we start getting sort of like different light bulb moments I mean for me from a personal perspective when I had my ADHD diagnosis I'd spent years trying to fix myself genuinely trying to fix myself thinking well there's something wrong with me for sure like why can't I stick at things and why am I so impulsive and why am I always trying new things and losing things and all of that I used to call myself the most terrible things and my self-esteem was rock bottom then I found out actually this is why your brain is working in this specific way and it's not like someone else's and who you're comparing to and all of a sudden I was just like okay those the self-acceptance started coming in a little bit I'm still working on that I can distance myself from my behavior as well you're not your behavior you're not your behavior and if that behavior is driven because of a neurochemical imbalance we can address that but it's again it's not beating yourself up yeah exactly and so I can imagine that when you're working with clients and I know that when I've worked with clients as well that have come to me for binge eating the shame is there. And this is a lot of women who come to me are very successful, you know, like overachieving, perfectionist, everything's going on for them. They're doing everything. And it's their sort of like secret kind of thing that no matter how great everything is going on in their life or how successful they're perceived, this is the thing that's bringing them down their self-esteem. So I guess my question is, where do people start? If people are listening now, listeners are nodding their heads and 
saying, yes, this has been me for years. How do they begin this journey of trying to manage their disordered eating? Mm-hmm. First thing I would say, just this is all very simplified because everybody's different, is first of all, you know, what was your relationship with food? And historically, because, you know, a relationship with food does stem back usually to childhood and whether it was, you know, used as a reward or deprivation. There's so many readers, so many connotations to what's happening later on in years from, you know, their relationship with food and childhood. So we kind of unravel that a little bit. Not too much because as a coach, I try and move people forward but we can't kind of shut the door on our past. So let's look at what were the patterns from when you were younger? You know, how did you use food? How did you feel? What were your, say, triggers? You know, what drove you to eat or not eat in the case? And really just to kind of unpeel that little bit in a safe way to be able to get to a kind of peace around what happened in the past and let's move it forward is very, very important. So it's getting a sense of, more awareness people aren't people are rushing around doing especially somebody with ADHD and it's just sitting and just reflecting and saying okay yeah that did happen and I would eat and I would hide it and I would do that and you know what came up for you what were the feelings around that what were the feelings around before you ate um what were the feelings as you were eating in your body so it's very much like body listening so we start to look at body listening body awareness because again we're kind of cut off from our emotions you know sort of the mind body thing needs to be reconnected so it's progress it's a slow kind of unraveling and then kind of wrap it up and go we are where we are making peace with that and then moving forward how do we again how do we structure it so that you know you are more in control of the binge eating and again it's not linear and I say to many of the patients, this is a journey of exploration and finding you know, who you are, what we can do, what are your triggers, what makes you feel safe, what doesn't make you feel safe, and, and bit by bit by bit. So it's just recognising where you started off from, maybe having a journal, so journaling and, and pinpointing what maybe a food diary And, you know, when do you pick up that particular food when you start binging? What are you feeling beforehand? What are you feeling afterwards? So then we start to get a pattern. um, And we can look at, you know, what are the coping strategies that we can have around it? What do we need to do to help you, support you? And so helping somebody move away from shame and guilt, that this is a journey. It's nothing to do about shame and guilt. You know, we're moving towards a peaceful peaceful outcome with food and with yourself and this is where if somebody for instance is also has put on weight because they say that I think the stats are I think there's five times more prevalence of obesity with women with ADHD that it's not guilt or shame or lack of willpower or anything like that it's a it's a neurochemical problem. Just to have the awareness at the beginning is so healing isn't it that okay this is what I'm doing this is where it's come from reflecting back recognizing triggers just being able to kind of just sit in that a little bit but also you know what you mentioned about feeling it in our body it's so powerful just to have a bit of time and I know again when we are women with ADHD we're always racing to the next thing and sitting with ourselves is a very it's actually a very difficult thing to do just just to sit there's the inner restlessness we've got the physical restlessness 
And if we just take a little bit of time just to breathe for 30 seconds, uh, you know, a minute and and notice, you know, maybe, and then it's that, okay, my heart's racing, my shoulders are tight, my hips are tight, whatever the things are you can feel in your body, that's when we notice, okay, what do I need right now? Is it that piece of cake or do I need to go and have a hot bath or do I need to go for a walk or do I need to sit on the couch and cuddle my dog? So there's so many different, I think for women with ADHD, I think we're battling lots of things. We've got lots of um, challenges, but we've got lots of amazing things as well that go on. We have to hover over ourselves a little bit more. And, and that's what I like to be able to think about is like just distance ourselves from what's going on and just give yourself that five minutes, two minutes, even if it's two minutes of t- reflection, that is powerful. Yeah, very powerful. And people thought, oh, when they start off, it's like, is that all I have to do? And it's like, well, I'm a big believer in rituals. You know, having your rituals during the day kind of anchors you, doesn't it, into into your body. So, you know, the rituals for setting rituals up for my clients, I think it's very, very important. And routine. Uh, it's very easy to get out of routine with ADHD. So it's planning your day, you know, in the morning, setting up maybe, you know, a few minutes of breath work, first of all, when you wake up, glass of water, a few minutes of breath work, a little bit of meditation. I don't always say to people, all do hours and hours of it, just like five minutes. What can you do? What can you cope with? So you get in the body back into what we call parasympathetic because with ADHD, it's all about the sympathetic, isn't it? And it's the fright and flight. It's almost like a fright and flight. You know, what do I do? What do I do? So it's the impulse part of the brain firing off all the time. So we're kind of moving somebody from sympathetic to parasympathetic. As often here when, uh, you know, wake up in the morning, it's like, let's go. Let's not do that. Let's just get into our bodies. How are we feeling? Did we have a good night's sleep? Which is what I encourage as well. And just get into the day beautifully. Set yourself two or three tasks to do that day. We don't need to be going gung-ho into anything. So they've got that space to do things. So you can just focus on that and then focus on that and focus on it's done or two things or one thing, whatever you can cope with. You know, and clients will say to me, oh, I I used to kind of do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. And then they'd end up more hyper where I sort of did one or two important things during the day. It's like, I could focus. I did it. Pat on the back. I feel good about myself. I don't feel the need to to reach out, you know, with cravings. Um, And again, we've got little coping mechanisms for craving control. You just mentioned one, which is the stop technique, which is, you know, stop, breathe, take time out, observe what's going on in your body, then proceed. Usually that is is enough time to go from sympathetic, which is the kind of rush, fright, flight feeling, anxiety rushing to the sympathetic. So it just calms that, that the reward impulse part of the brain so the prefrontal cortex which is the thinking the ceo of the brain to kind of kick in and i think with adhd there's a slight glitch in that but it's giving it time for that to to engage so we can stop and we can think and it takes practice that is a little bit of effort is needed but then after that we're not we're not using willpower we're not 
we're not working against ourselves we're working with ourselves then so that we can yeah, exactly other things so and that's why I don't like diets for instance because you're always working against yourself and you're always having to use willpower and that exerts effort and that exerts anxiety and it exerts worry and again this vicious cycle I'm not good enough I'm a failure I'm rubbish and da, 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 da. so I'm very much let's slow it all down Hello. So I would just love to say a big thank you to all of you for reaching out recently with your really heartfelt messages and emails and reviews of the show. It's really blown my mind what's happened during the past two months since launching the podcast. And this has included helping me get onto the new and noteworthy section on Apple Podcasts and in the health and fitness charts as well. And what I'm actually hearing from so many of you is how needed this content is and how these conversations have been helping you so much to understand yourselves after all these years. And I really do get it. And if that is the case, I've got something you are going to find really helpful. I've created a free guide to support you before and during your diagnosis and beyond. So if you are waiting for an assessment or waiting for this diagnosis and just don't know where to begin and need some help sort of practical and emotionally I want to be able to give you this guidance so I've created a brilliant resource for anyone needing more help navigating the complex area of a new ADHD diagnosis and in the guide I've given you lots of tips including books to read and other podcasts to listen to so just head to my website which is coachingbykate.me.uk and you'll find it all there on the home page or just head to the show notes and I will put a link to it and please don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast because every single week I'm trying to get you the most topical conversations with some brilliant guests offering you lots of information about your new understanding on ADHD. So thank you again for joining me and let's get back to this week's conversation. So I saw a friend the other day and I had my girls in the car. I've got three girls and I've got a boy and two of the girls were in the car and my friend said, oh, I'm on like a post-Christmas diet. I need to lose X amount of pounds and I'm on a smoothie this and a da-da-da-da. And I was in my head, I was thinking, I hope the girls aren't listening. I hope the girls aren't listening because they don't hear that conversation in, in our house. Like I never talk about weight. I have encouraged healthy eating, but I do buy rubbish because I don't want it to be feeling like lack yeah. or, you know, like they're being deprived. And I do notice that when I have lots of stuff in the house, like sugary treats, it goes within a day. I do notice that. So I'm trying really hard to not project something that I have issues and I actually I feel quite lucky that there are certain things I definitely deal with with ADHD lots of things but food addiction for me has not been one of those issues I've got a very savory tooth so I mean yes I could probably sit and eat like cheese and biscuits and chips and things like that but I'm okay with stopping at eating sort of sugary things whereas my kids have all got sweet tooths and so I do have to kind of like curb what goes on in the snack drawer but I, I'm trying hard to be as I guess just as what's the word um, neutral as possible you know as long as it you know if it's a treat and, and, and you know you just notice your children it is it's a treat then you know fine just be aware really that if it gets out of hand then yeah so and then when I bumped it's when I met this friend and afterwards I said to my kids 
you know, like diets just don't work. And I try to explain in sort of children's terms. I mean, saying that my daughter's 14 and one's 10, so they, they understand. And I said that she's going to feel bad when she wants to have some biscuits in the evening or she's done really well all day. What she says, I'm saying this in, in inverted commas, that she's eaten a salad during the day and then she's eaten a smoothie for dinner or whatever. And then her body starts craving something in the evening. And if she can't control, again, in inverted commas, these cravings, that cycle of shame is going to happen because she's going to eat the chocolate biscuits. And so I try to explain to them that, you know, it is changing a whole lifestyle, isn't it? It's, it's literally making these incremental changes. So three months, six months down the line, we we see a slightly evolved lifestyle as opposed to, right, this is going to be three months, we're going to smash it, I'm going to lose two stone and then back to the drawing board. So do you try and manage your client's expectations so they know that this is going to be, this is lo- this is for the long haul? It's not a quick fix. And I say that from the get-go, this is not another diet. This is a lifestyle change. And it's not linear as well. So, you know, there's going to be times where you recognise that you're slightly off path and you've had a binge. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go all the way back again. And Oh, this black and white thinking, I've done it again. And that's it. So it's, it's, it is nurturing expectations, but also putting into place what happens if you do have a binge. It's not a sense of failure. It's a learning what happened? What happened before you had that binge? Let's unpack that bit, you know, so that we you can probably recognise it next time. And yeah, recognising that I think is very, very important, but it's a slow process, getting somebody onto, you know, a healthier eating pattern. And I kind of normally suggest no deprivation, you know, which is what happens with, with dieting, no restriction, three meals a day, I kind of put it down to about six six small meals. So it's keeping the blood sugars up. So we're not lending to the cravings and the brain starved and become impulsive and then they eat sugar-laden foods. So it's keeping that up. But it's putting in those daily rituals, which is kind of just slowing the brain down. So I, I keep coming back to the dopamine because that is what we're looking for. So whether we're looking for it with, if we're shopping or sex or food or um, or anything really that kind of the addiction kind of feeds is we're then looking for different micro moments to boost the dopamine. So the the afternoon walk. And I, I know for sure that an afternoon walk will stave off that craving for five biscuits with your cup of tea or if you go and do your yoga class in the evening there's a very high chance that that yoga class will give you that dopamine hit will calm your body your nervous system so you'll then um probably won't crave the the chocolate that you know on the couch watching tv um that evening so it, it 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 is those little kind of like every every few hours okay right where do I can I go I, I mentioned the dog because that's it's like I know that's where I get my dopamine if I'm like oh really stressed I'll go right where's my dog I'm gonna sit I'm just gonna have a cup of tea and just like give her a little stroke have I got time between clients I've got an hour between clients where I'm taking I'm gonna go for a walk now yes then it, it is and it's I have to say it's tiring at the beginning to think like this you're changing a mindset you are building building new habits you're out of your comfort zone you're building, yeah building new habits takes 
that little bit of effort. But then, as you say, once that's kind of kicked in, you know, it's it's effortless in a way. Um, but it's the little habits that I think are really important, the little rituals that you do, and you recognise it, uh, you know, what you need, which is lovely. That's your form of self-care, that's self-love. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really does. And and I, I would just suggest anyone that's listening now that if um, – you know, you're not able, you can't afford to go to a coach and, and go through, you know, something, you know, like one of your coaching programs, there are these little ways that you can hack your own brain and you can bypass, you know, the, like, the, I'd say sort of like that, that chatty chimp or the ego or the ADHD, whatever you want yeah. to call it <laughs> and go right now, right, where am I going to find my dopamine from that is going to, um, is going to help me feel calmer and healthier where and what you mentioned actually before is something that is um excuse me a an ADHD trait is um difficulty in transitioning from one thing to another so it's sometimes it's very difficult to and I use this as an example get off the couch scrolling on your phone to go to bed and getting the sleep that we desperately need but mm -hmm. it's it's so hard to just move and so, in, and again, if you are sat doing your emails and you are busy, 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 and you know you've not been for that walk during the day, it is really hard to just make that transition from sitting in front of your computer to taking a walk outside. I think, I think this is where I, I believe in the buddy system. So this is what I really suggest and encourage and, and help a client kind of build is like a buddy system so that they have people that they can, you know, trusted people who understand what they're going through, maybe three or four friends. They can maybe ring just during the day so that when that does happen <clears throat> and you just said, you know, you've done your emails and you start scrolling through, somebody will ring you at, say, five o'clock and, and say, right, do you want to go for a walk? Have you gone for your walk? Have you, do you know what I mean? So you've got somebody that you can be accountable to and you may be able to set that up during the during the day you know maybe it's just say to your friends look you know this is what I'm going through I need to kind of get my routine going can you Joe call me at 10 o'clock in in the morning you know Toby call me at two and Sarah call me at five or six so that I know I've done something that I'm supposed to and you might just set up like say a month and just say I just need to get into this routine and um, so can you support me in that and if they're your friends and you're close to them, so many people just want to go, yeah, we're going to help you. So I always end up, you know, helping somebody set up their body system so that they can keep that going. Oh, that's a great, I have to say that's such a great tip because it doesn't have to be long-term forever. You don't have to feel like you've got to rely on all these people, but even if it's just a month just to have, that is it really, yeah. really helpful. Um, I feel like you, you've really offered so many great nuggets here and I know that you are, um, you've got limited time, but I wanted to ask how can people um, work with you? How, I know you've got a book. Um, tell me a little bit about different ways people can access your resources. Well, I've got a book called Craving Freedom and it's the R4 method, which is a method that I kind of devised. It's kind of not a method as such, but it's putting something into, I've not reinvented the wheel, but I've put it into, steps that make sense for people because as I said a lot of people come to me in the directionless so this is like a roadmap of you know looking at your relationship with food how do we reframe it 
how to reframe your 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 you know how do we get your self-worth back up again let's look at your food that kind of thing so that's what the r4 method's about so you can find that in my book r4 that's on amazon craving freedom it's called the r4 method um dr Weber. Um, and then i've got a little uh course it's it's 27 pounds it's you can find it on the website and it's called craving freedom and it's uh, the alternative to to weight loss but it's not about again for me it's not really about weight loss weight loss for most, most of my programs is a byproduct we're looking at the root cause the symptoms what's going on for you but it's a lovely it's a lovely little step-by-step thing with lots of meditation audios in there EFT, I've got in there, uh, my friend Jenny Lee Grace, she's a BBC Two presenter, she's done the EFT in that. Um, we've got Joe Duckfield, beautiful visualisations and, and meditations. And again, putting the holistic thing. I also love crystals as well. Crystals really calmed me down. My son loves crystals, actually. Um, he's got an amethyst, so that helps him focus and keep calm. So I would say looking to have some fun with, with crystal, my real crystal girl. And, um, yeah, and it's too. just a step-by-step module, which is like lovely. And it's about celebrating yourself, about your journey with food. And, you know, it's really, really nice. So that's, it's called Craving Freedom, the R4 method to alternative weight loss. So if anybody's dealing with, you know, being slightly overweight, overweight, it's a great one. But it's also, again, it's getting you back in your body. Mind-body connection, re-established. This is what that, that course will do. And I'm just setting up two groups um, this year, um, two two bigger groups, eight eight week, um, uh, probably twelve. I'm gonna have twelve ladies on, and it's um, again we do talk about reconnection, but we're going into a lot of uh, more in depth. Um, so that's the next thing. And anyone? Okay, so you know, what's the website that people can log on to? Um, it's www.thefoodaddictioncoach.co.uk. Amazing. That is fantastic. I'll make sure everything's in the show notes, including the um, all the different courses and the book. And, and I feel that this is um, a really great conversation that perhaps that we can kind of dive in a little bit uh, deeper another time because I definitely had a few other questions. But I feel that right now, for right now, let's let's get this conversation out. And then um, maybe we can sort of see what the feedback is and maybe what other people, um, other women with ADHD want to know about helping themselves, empowering themselves um, to to help them to help themselves with their disordered eating. Because uh, I, I feel like it's, it's a very big subject and I know this this will be very much appreciated. So thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time. Mood regulation, emotional well-being, and brain health are always at the top of my priority list. 
So taking daily measures such as movement, breath work, tapping, drinking water and eating nourishing food has a huge impact on my personal emotional regulation. And yet sometimes we do need supplements to help us feel at our optimum. So as a health coach, a well-being coach and understanding ADHD a lot more, I know how important a blend of essential fatty acids such as omega-3s and 6s can be. And for that reason, I take Equizin capsules every day. Now, Equizin are fatty acid specialists with a range of products to support brain function. And backed by clinical studies, Equizin supplements are a precise blend of omega-3, which contributes to the maintenance of normal brain function and are made from fish oil and omega-6 from primrose oil. Equizin's range of supplements, which are suitable for all members of the family from adults to children, contain a balanced formula to really help get the natural benefits of fish oils without the fishy taste. So to get discounted Equizin products for all the family, head to boots.com, that's boots.com, and enter the discount code KATE15. So that's KATE15 to get 15% off all Equizin supplements. And for more information about Equizin and all their products, head to the website equizin.co.uk, that's equizin.co.uk, and learn how you can be supported more on your ADHD journey.